Welcome to the Mariners cast presented to you by Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at, Eth- at Ethos Mariners. It is September 6th, Wednesday. The Mariners are finishing up their three-game set in Cincinnati today. Uh, it is Logan Gilbert against Lion Richardson. The Mariners are 77 and 61, one game back of the Houston Astros uh, in the American League West. They are currently the second wild card in the American League, a half game up on Toronto and one, or yes, and one game up on the Texas Rangers. Mariners are five and five in the last 10, three game losing streak. Obviously, we all see, uh, have seen the last week or so of Mariners baseball. It's been sloppy. The bullpen has been a mess. Um, the offense has been okay. Starting pitching is kind of waxed and waned. So on today's Mariners cast, this is number 82. We're going to recap yesterday's game. This was a heartbreaking 7-6 loss to the Cincinnati Reds. We will uh, dig into this game a little bit. We'll talk about kind of where the team is at right now and if there's reason to panic. And then... I thought it'd be interesting to look into the Mariners offensively, the Mariners statistics individually, and uh, at least a couple of the the top players and talk about what their uh, season end of season projection will look like. Uh, I think it gives some perspective as to how good some of these Mariners uh, offensive players have been. And then we will quickly go over the pitching matchup for today's 340 uh, first pitch in Cincinnati. So the Mariners lose 7-6. Uh, Mariners were up 5-1 going into the bottom of the sixth. Gave up two runs in the bottom of the sixth. Scored another one in the seventh. Then the Reds got three in the eighth and one in the ninth to win 7-6, as I said. Bryce Miller was very good uh, in this game. He did give up seven hits in five innings, but only one run, one walk, and two strikeouts. Uh, he wiggled his way out of a couple of different jams. Um, he is, as I've said about Brian Wu, developing on the fly and um, learning how to pitch. And it's fun. I think for someone like me that enjoys that kind of stuff, um, it is really fun to see him develop as a pitcher. I do think he's starting to fatigue a bit, even though his uh, velocity and spin are not um, really taking a downturn uh, he does seem to me to be fatiguing just a little bit and trying to, some of it is mental fatigue, right? Trying to learn again, how to pitch on the fly. We will dig into his start in just a second, but from a play-by-play perspective, uh, the Mariners got two home runs from Julio Rodriguez. Uh, he continues to absolutely mash. Both home runs were back to right field, um, which I found interesting because a lot of his power was coming pull side recently. They were both on fastballs, I believe, 97 and 98 miles an hour. But, you know, these might have been, I wouldn't call them cheap home runs, but uh, certainly Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati is a home run haven. Park factor for right-handed hitters is 122, meaning it's 22% easier this year for a right-handed hitter to hit a home run, and it's 138 for left-handed batters um, this year. So, both home runs were hard hit balls, obviously. Um, both went to right field. He went two for five with those two home runs and he drove in four. 
Tail Hernandez, two for four, continues to stay hot. Uh, he had a home run on a low fastball, two for four, two RBIs, and a run scored. And then JP, two for four with a walk. So he was on base, three out of five plate appearances, and then scored a run. Um, for the most part, that was the Mariners' offense. Josh Rojas went two for three with a run. But other than that, not a lot of help. Um, those three are the catalysts. Those three are the ones who've been driving this Mariners offense for the last, I don't know, month or so. Uh, those three are the, um, they're, they're carrying the offense. They're the three who you would expect to perform come playoff time. But as we said yesterday, uh, when I chatted with Tyden Gonzalez, Mariners going to need help from some other places, right? It's going to have to be each game. It's going to be someone different. If it's Cal, if it's Canzoni, excuse me, Canzone, uh, Mike Ford, Eugenio Suarez, the, the contributions have to come from other places in the lineup besides those three. And in this game, as you see, despite the fact that they scored six runs, they still lost, um, could have used help from really anywhere else. So that was the hitting. Um, Pitching-wise, again, Bryce Miller started five innings, 97 pitches, so pitch count increased slightly in this game over what he typically throws in a game uh 61 strikes 59 percent first pitch strike rate just below league average just below his yearly average uh he's backing way off the forcing fastball usage recently um we're seeing uh the introduction of a sinker that he had been throwing a little bit in previous games he threw 19% sinkers in this game. It was his second highest uh, usage pitch. I like it. It's Again, it's the same formula as Brian Wu and George Kirby. It's a great pitch to uh, get right-handed hitters off of your four-seam fastball because it'll jam you if you don't know it's a sinker coming. Of the 117 he's thrown this year, 91 have been to right-handers. So it's not your classic uh, low and away sinker to a left-handed hitter from a right-handed pitcher. It's more of an up and in trying to jam the right-hander. Uh, he did throw 16% sliders and uh, 12% sweepers. This is taking the place of some of that reduced forcing fastball usage. And then uh, he did throw five change-ups as well. Um, almost all of his change-ups on the season are, are going to left-handed hitters. 12% whiff rate is really ugly. Only six swing and misses on 49 swings. It wasn't a velocity problem. Uh, it wasn't a spin problem. He did throw five changeups, and those changeups were a lot slower. And uh, the spin was a lot lower than his changeup on the year. I wonder if this wasn't a changeup and was something else. Could it be? A splitter type pitch, I don't know, but it was definitely a different pitch than the changeup he had been throwing. Maybe he just took a ton off of it. Um, but it's clear he's still learning to pitch on the fly, and he's certainly searching for an attack plan against left-handed hitters. Um, but it's fun to watch. Like I said, uh, he's, you know, because he limits his walks and because he fills up the zone, he's able to really – um, get out of jams and surrender hits. It's, it's a bit of the, the statistical, like George Kirby formula and Logan Gilbert formula where they're filling, he's filling up the zone and he's not getting burned on these hits most of the time because he's not 
walking a ton. But you would like to see the strikeout usage go up. I think he's very much a work in progress, even more so than Brian Wu. Um, so offseason is going to be really interesting for Bryce Miller. But I love watching him pitch still. He gave the Mariners five strong innings. Dominic Leone came in, two-thirds of an inning, two hits, two runs, one walk, no Ks, two homers. I've seen him getting ripped all over Twitter by Mariners fans. Uh, Mariners fans saying, why did we give up Devin Sweet to be able to to be able to pick up Dominic Leone since Sweet was the one who was um pushed off the 40 man and picked up by the A's. And I'll say, and that you know, he hasn't looked good. Obviously, the results have been terrible with the Mariners, giving up home runs to the Mets, now home runs to the Reds. The two home runs he gave up today, one was to Christian Encarnacion Strand, one was to Noelvi Marte. Both are rookies, both are right-handed hitters. Uh, the homer to Encarnacion Strand wasn't a great pitch. It was a slider, middle in, lower half of the zone at 86 miles an hour, but it wasn't the worst pitch in the world either. It wasn't a hanger. It was it just happened to be in the zone. Um, you would like to see him get that pitch off the plate a little bit more. But I don't necessarily consider that 100% his fault. Um, again, execution could be a little better, but it wasn't as if he hung a, you know, it wasn't a cookie. And then Noel Marte hit a 95-mile-an-hour fastball that was actually in and off the plate, just above the belt. It's probably six to eight inches off the plate. And it's just a demonstration of how quick Marte's hands are that he was able to pull his hands in and hit that ball out. It was a screamer out to left field. Um, again, that's not a bad pitch either. 95 off the plate inside is not a horrible pitch, but Marte, you could tip your hat to him. It was a, a, a nice hit. My question with, with Leon is he threw seven fastballs, five cutters, five sliders. If the slider is hands down his best pitch, 50% whiff rate. 240 average against. Why is he messing around with the cutter? He faced five righty or faced four righties and one lefty. And so in theory, with his fastball and his slider, he should be able to get right-handers out, right? Two of the five, two of the five cutters were to Will Benson, who was a left-handed hitter. But in my mind, you know, because that slider is, is far and away his best pitch, he should be throwing that pitch a lot more than he is. Um, I'll be interested to see, A, if he remains on the team, given his his performance thus far, and B, if they have him go much more slider heavy uh, moving forward. But not a good outing by him. I still don't think he's, I don't think he's horrible. I think he's worth keeping specifically to face right-handed hitters. I just think he needs to throw that slider more. Mariners got a third of an inning out of Gabe Spire. Um, his Velocity was actually up quite a bit on all three pitches. His fastball was averaging 96-4. Um, he's a weapon. And uh, Mariners lucky to have Gabe Spire. Matt Brash doing one inning scoreless, one walk, one strikeout. Velo was fine. Spin was down on the slider a lot. But he was effective. Not a whole lot you can say. Kind of equal, just about equal usage, four-seam slider. And then Justin Topa came in and pitched the eighth. He gave up three runs on two hits, one walk. Um, the three runs came on a game-tying home run, three-run home run to Nick Martini. Uh, it was a – he threw a sinker to start him off, 
that was up. But then he threw a slider that was belt high, um, outer rail. Nick Martini's a left-handed hitter. The slider was an 83 mile an hour pitch. This is a pitch that's just, it's not a difficult pitch for a lefty to hit, right? If you're looking at all for a breaking ball, 83 miles an hour does not hit that 85, 86 mile an hour threshold that you need to see from a slider to be effective. And it was outside something that Martini could, you know, extend and, and hit and, he hit a home run. I don't think it was a good pitch choice from Topa. I don't think the location was good. Um, he doesn't throw hard enough, in my mind, to throw that kind of slider to a left-handed hitter. And I'm not surprised that he hit it out. Left, left-handed hitting major leaguers are going to do damage on a lower velocity slider from an opposite-handed pitcher that's belt high. They just are. Bad pitch. Bad location, bad result. It was only 95-1 off the bat and had a 160 XBA. This would have been a home run in six of 30 parks. Obviously, Great American Ballpark being one. Comerica, Minute Maid, Yankee Stadium, Philadelphia, and Toronto. But that's the luck of the draw. Um, So Topa gives up those three runs. Uh, That was a bad outing from him. You know, you've got to expect it once in a while from him. Uh, You can't really trust any of these Mariners relievers at this point in time. They've all kind of blew it a bit. And then Munoz came in. He only threw seven pitches. He came in and tie game in the ninth. Uh, Didn't record an out. Gave up an infield hit to Ellie De La Cruz. It's one of those things where with Ellie, you know, if he's going to get the bat on the ball like that, He's going to beat it out. He's just fast. It's the same thing with Julio, right? You see the little infield roller from Julio and, and you know, fielders are surprised by his speed, but a lot of times those are infield hits. Same thing with Ellie. Ellie's still second. Munoz doesn't do a very good job of holding him on. And then he gives up an opposite field single to Christian Encarnacion Strand. It's not a fun way to lose on an opposite field single and an infield hit, but it is what it is, right? That's baseball. And I think, the real question with Munoz is where was the swing and miss stuff in this situation? I would have expected him to both Encarnacion Strand and Ellie De La Cruz are rookies. There's a lot of swing and miss in both of their profiles. I would have expected him to um, come with swing and miss stuff. And he didn't in this situation. So Mariners lose seven, six heartbreaking fashion had a five, one lead. Um, heading into the top of the sixth inning and couldn't close it out. Clearly, this team is tired. Specifically, the pitching staff is exhausted, right? Um, it could be fatigue from the intensity of the big run that they made. Uh, it could certainly be fatigue for some of the relievers who have not been major league regulars throughout their career. You know, the Justin Topas, um, Andres Munoz, who's been injury prone, right, has had a couple of Tommy John surgeries, has not been in these in these uh, safe situations, ninth inning situations in his career, taking over for Paul Seawald. Is there a mental thing going on with him? You know, Ty Dane talked about uh, not having confidence in that slider. And um, I think he's right. Uh, I don't think Andres Munoz has confidence in general right now in his 
in his pitches, but specifically the slider does not look great. Uh, offensively, you got, you know, you would hope that the infusion of, of, you know, a Dominic Canzone, a player who hasn't played in the majors all year long, um, you know, Josh Rojas having a different sort of role with the Mariners, that the infusion of those guys would give a little bit of, of energy to this offense. But, you know, Suarez sat until he came in as a pinch hitter and defensive replacement at the end of the game, but he's played every game. And I know it's a point of pride for him, but shouldn't be if you're going to not, if you're not going to be able to perform offensively. Um, You know, Mike Ford has been very good for the Mariners over the course of the year, but he's not used to playing this much. So clearly something is wrong with Ty France. Uh, I don't know if it's fatigue or if he's just, you know, not doesn't have it this year, but he's not playing well. Cal Raleigh, you can't expect your catcher to play, you know, he plays a ton. And he's played in 122 games this season out of a, a potential 138 games. Fought 473 plate appearances for a catcher is a lot. And with Murphy out, he's really having to carry the load. I think you see the impact of Tom Murphy not being in this lineup on this team right now because he's hurt. You know, Brian O'Keefe is not the same as Tom Murphy. And so Cal Raleigh has to play more often and you're seeing him not hit as well because of it at times. So I think there's a ton of fatigue. You're seeing inconsistent starts right now from even the top of the rotation from the Mariners. Some of it is mental, some of it is physical, but they've got to figure out how to really push through. I think pitching-wise, this is where you see the um, loss of Emerson Hancock really impacting the Mariners. If it was a six-man rotation as they had planned, you know, I think the starters would be more fresh. I think it's, it's obviously it's easy to say that, but we're seeing the impact in the lack of consistency from the starters recently. So there is some fatigue they're dealing with. The Mariners, if they expect to make the playoffs, if they expect to win the AL West, they're going to have to find it from somewhere um, to be able to push through and win this division. As I looked at the Mariners offense over the course of the season, and I, I, Wanted to see what Julio Teo and J.P. Crawford projected to counting stat-wise um, uh, at the end of the season. So, as you may know, Julio's hitting 285, 343, 837, 837 OPS. He's projecting for 101 runs, 109 RBIs, 32 homers, and 42 steals. The 132 WRC plus currently and currently has 5.6 Fangraphs war. So you're looking at probably close to a seven war season with 32 home runs, 42 steals, 100 RBI, 100 runs, 100 RBIs. It's nuts. That's a, this is a, a, a I think if it wasn't for Otani, this is, you're looking at a, you know, he's in the MVP conversation 100% with the, with a year like this, especially when you start to look at his defense. Um, Tail, I found Tail's stats really interesting. So he is projecting to, so he's hitting 267, 311, 777 OPS. 
His projections are 73 runs, 29 homers, 101 RBIs. His best season in his career was 2021, where he had 32 homers, 92 runs, 116 RBIs, and 12 steals. So 29 homers, 101 RBIs. What he was brought in to do was to hit home runs and drive in runs compared to 32 homers and 116 RBIs in in 21. His average is much lower. His OPS is much lower. But the point is you brought him in to be a a classic kind of old school right field run producer, and that's what he's done. It's only a 113 WRC plus. That's much lower than his previous three years. Um, But he's also a little bit older now you know, at 30 going on 31. And so you expect a a bit of a decline, but he's been really what the Mariners have wanted him to be. You traded a relief pitcher for him, right? He's been very good. And then JP Crawford, 272, 390 OPS or uh, on-base percentage and 823 OPS. He projects out to 95 runs, 16 homers, 95 walks, that's a 15.3% walk rate from your sh- starting shortstop. A 136 WRC plus, and he currently has 3.8 fan graph war. That's dope from an offensive shortstop. As I've said, his defense has really declined, but that's an amazing season. The Mariners are 10th in runs scored per game at 4.79. Texas is third. Tampa Bay is fourth. This is in the major leagues. Uh, Both Texas and Tampa, I would say, are riding the um, early season offensive surges that they both had. The Astros are fifth. The Orioles are seventh. So with the teams that the Mariners are in contention with outside of Minnesota and Toronto, uh, those four teams are slightly better than the Mariners offensively over the course of the season. I would say that their offenses even currently are slightly better. The Mariners clearly have a huge advantage um, pitching-wise over most of those four. I would say Houston and Tampa um, are slightly just below the Mariners pitching-wise, but pretty even matchup when you look at those numbers. Finally, with regards to um, looking at the stats or the projections and then thinking about the Mariners next year, I think obviously catcher, shortstop, center field, are elite, right? Cal Raleigh is an elite catcher. He's a top five catcher in baseball. JP Crawford is, if he can do what he's doing this year, I consider him an elite offensive shortstop and plays a very important role for the Mariners. Um, His defense, while the metrics hate it, he's still a consistent defensive shortstop. He'll take it for now. Um, And then Julio. Above average, I have left field as above average. I think that Jared Kelnick provided health will be a, an above average left fielder and whoever your right-handed hitter will be playing corner outfield to take a few of the at-bats against tough left, left-handed pitching. That player is going to be a, going to be a decent player, whether it's Dylan Moore or Jose Caballero, something of that sort, right? So left field, I, I have as above average right field, if the Mariners were to re-sign Teo Hernandez, which I think there is a decent possibility of, um, provided he's not looking for a huge contract, I would consider that above average as well. Uh, if he doesn't re-sign, then you know, who knows what happens in right field. 
I have third base as average. Eugenio Suarez is playing an elite defensive third base. Um, offensively, you know, his OPS is 704. That's clearly not very good. He does have 18 home runs. He has driven in 83 runs. So he's going to have, you know, low 20s home runs, close to 100 RBIs. I, I think that you'll take that, right, from a third baseman. To me, that's average. Maybe just the slightest bit above average, but I have him as average, that position. And then below average, both second base and the bench. We don't know what the heck the Mariners are going to do at second. You've got Rojas. We know they like him. Um, I think if they could upgrade on him, they will. The Mariners have Caballero. The Mariners have uh, Dylan Moore. Ryan Bliss is in the minor leagues in AAA. So there are options, but none of those options are average or above average as of right now. So I have second base is below average. The bench as below average. I think there are places on this bench where the Mariners can improve. You have to like Dylan Moore. You have to like Mike Ford. Um, even Caballero, although you can't count on him doing the same thing next year. But I think that fourth bench spot is going to be a very important one, right? Be it Cade Marlowe, Sam Haggerty, um, you know, the Mariners decide to bring up Jonathan Classe, something like that. But they're going to have to improve that bench spot, I think, um, definitively to bring that bench to an average or above average bench. They need more depth is what it comes down to. And then I created my own category for first base. I I called it terrible. Um, Mariners need a solution at first. If it's Dominic Canzone and a right-handed masher then fine you can probably make that as an average position but whatever it is it can't be Ty France next year so that was an interesting exercise we'll do a ton of that in the offseason but I wanted to do that right now I was interested in what the projections were for the Mariners top three hitters um, I wanted to look take a look at their season stats as a whole right instead of the individual player I wanted to see what it looked like as a group um Today's pitching matchup is Logan Gilbert against Lion Richardson. Logan Gilbert is 12 and 5 with a 3.56 ERA. That is good for 20th in baseball. Uh amongst qualified starters and ninth in the American League. It doesn't sound great at 3.56, but understanding the context, um it sounds a lot better. It's a 105 whip, which is third in baseball behind Zach Eflin and Luis Castillo. That is much of his um secret sauce. Is, is limiting base runners, uh, 161 and two-thirds innings, 28 walks, which is tied for fourth lowest in baseball amongst qualified starters. Um, it's still twice as many walks as George Kirby uh, has allowed. We've talked a lot about Kirby's uh, command. It's incredible. And then he's 18 American League in strikeouts with 162. Uh, his splits are really pretty much even. Um, I put together a whole bunch of stats compared to league average for Logan Gilbert. I might post that on Twitter. Uh, it's just basically says he fills up the zone. Hitters swing a ton of at his pitches in zone. Um, they chase a bit more with him knowing he's throwing strikes. He gets a very good or he's a very low chase contact rate. So they don't make contact with the pitches he chase, they chase and he throws a few more first pitch strikes than, um, major league average. So Gilbert's on the mound. 
you would expect a uh, a stopper type performance from Logan Gilbert in this in this uh, start today. At least that's the hope. He's facing Lion Richardson, who is a 23 year old right hander. Richardson is six two two oh seven. He was drafted in the second round. 47th overall by the Reds in 2018. They signed him uh, to an overslot deal out of his Florida high school. He had Tommy John in September of 21. He's obviously come back from that. MLB Pipeline in their latest rankings uh, had him as the number 14 prospect in the Reds organization. He pitched very well um, across three levels this season, A, AA, and AAA. 65 innings. 2.22 2.22 ERA, only 46 hits and 93 strikeouts. Uh, Reds bring them up. They want to see what they have in Lion Richardson. Three starts. Um, all three have been really poor. Uh, no more than 4.2 innings, no less than three walks. Um, you can't really, small sample size, so you can't really talk much about his rate stats, but you're looking at a four seam fastball at 96 miles an hour, um, sometimes a tick above. Uh, a changeup at 88, and a curveball at 79. Uh, he also throws a 95-mile-an-hour sinker a bit um, to right-handers and uh, just a co- mixes in a couple of sliders at about 85. So hard thrower, um, fastball, changeup, curveball, really fastball, changeup. Those are his two primary pitches, and then curveball, sinker, slider that he mixes in. Um the Mariners need this one. You can't fall a couple games behind the Astros. You don't want to because uh, the Astros aren't going on that Texas Rangers slide. They're too good of a team. Um, you need this one, especially going into Tampa for four. So, again, we know they're tired. We know the bullpen's beat up. They're going to have to find the energy, uh, find the motivation from somewhere. This is where you would love to see – you'll be able to play all four of your bench players um, to be able to give your regulars some rest, but we'll see what happens in this game. Uh, But it is a must win. So once again, thank you for listening to Mariners cast number 82. We are presented by sports ethos. You can find me on Twitter at Tino junior 20 and the podcast at ethos Mariners. That's E T H O S M A R I N E R S. Enjoy your Wednesday. Enjoy this game. Go Logie. Uh, Take care, y'all. Peace.